Hi, I'm Alex Freycon. You're listening to My Therapist and I, a podcast that isn't just about therapy, it is therapy. More specifically, my therapy. Dr. Steve is back. He's back in action and he's ready to give me some therapy, which is great news for me. So in this session, we just sort of spend time catching up on all the things that have been swimming around in my mind. Uh, one of which was an interesting trip I took to LA and some conversations I had regarding therapy with people who know of the podcast. So, hey, hope you enjoy. Uh, it still picks it up. It's still too, <laughs> just way too loud, but that's okay. Um, to all of our loyal listeners, Dr. Steve and I were just talking about how we both were sick. So if you hear noises like coughing, sniffling, that's why. But uh, your sickness sounds like was just more of like annoying ongoing. Yeah, a couple weeks. Versus mine was the dreaded COVID. And it was exhausting. Mm. I'm still, I can't really quite tell. I feel back to normal, but a part of me is still like, I feel really tired. Mm. Um, so yeah, how it's been a minute. Yeah, it has been. I think people have been getting sick of just me. I saw that you did some solo individual stuff. Did you listen to it? I haven't had a chance to. I haven't haven't had a chance to. Yeah. That's code for not interested, Alex. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, you've been traveling a bunch, doing what? If any highlights? I'm uh, just doing some trainings here and there, and was down in Athens, Georgia, University of Georgia. Uh huh. Keynote. Uh, it was a smaller conference, just a kind of a training conference. Yeah. About discernment. Yeah. Uh, so on that note, you saw the part where I talked about how you sort of co-developed. Yeah. Was that accurate? Y- yeah. I mean, uh, my, and say, my, my colleague, uh, yeah. Bill Doherty at the university of Minnesota, he it was kind of his brainchild. And I came in kind of as we were developing, as he was developing the protocol. And mm-hmm. so we, we met for a couple of years and just practiced and learned. He taught me how to do it. And we, Ended up writing a textbook on it in 2017. So he had the original idea. He had, he had the original idea and was toying with it in his practice for a long so time. So fascinating because yeah. it would be very interesting. Like I was thinking more about that. And it's like, how does one just decide to develop a new method for mental yeah. health? Like, would I just be in the shower singing one day and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's it's the Freycon method. Like I just, <laughs> Eureka, I figured it out. And then it's like, what's the process? Do you have to like, I guess you define it and then like prove it or something. I don't know. Define it, redefine it, uh, sharpen it, hone it, you know, t- take it apart again and find out, you know. Do test, you have to get it. certain things approved by like official bodies or anything like that? Not, not really. Uh-huh. No, it was just our work with the uh, couples that are yeah, at this place where they're trying to figure out if they should stay together or work on their rela- you know, work on the relationship or or you know, leave it. Yeah. And then I imagine you just kind of collect data and then say, yeah. hey, here's what we found. Yeah, here's what we think works and here's what doesn't work so well. And and then um, is the rest just sort of organic if people pick up on it or not? And if it becomes a thing? Um, no, we. I mean, we're deliberately, we're developing trainings for mm-hmm. how to get people to to see these couples that need a different kind of approach than typical couple therapy and yeah. give them tools to, to work effectively with those couples. Cool. Um, well, yeah, uh, so you've been traveling, seeing the world, talking to millions of people, teaching them. Not quite, but anyway, yeah. I've been doing equally important work. Yeah. Um, 
Haley and I went on a ski trip to Whistler. Oh, nice. That was a lot of fun. Uh, Haley and I travel very well together. Uh, it's Those are like highlights in our, in our relationship. I mm-hmm. feel like anytime we get to go travel, um, because she's a wonderful travel buddy. And uh, the skiing was great. She's not... Um, She's not like, I mean, she skied as a child and then took like 10 years off, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. But then when we started dating, she's like, saw that I like skiing. She's like, okay, I'll pick it back up. Mm. But she had never like mountain skied before. So this was the second time she'd ever gone like mountain skiing. Mm-hmm. And uh, the reason I bring this up is she's very, she's got a great sense of adventure. Like she wasn't, you know, she would hang kind of doesn't shy away from it no yeah which uh i would be like this might be a little i mean sometimes she'd be like this is kind of scary alex like we go slow and i was like yeah yeah sure totally but uh it's a very beautiful place have you ever been no but i i mean i know it's out in bc yeah super gorgeous super cool um and then after that i got back and then had that hockey tournament yeah the hands of time cup yeah how'd that go that went really well. Uh, the so the college was McAllister College. It was their um, club team. They brought out a ton of students. So all in all, it was probably like over four hundred people. At hey, the game. nice. Yeah, it was awesome, and um, we raised over ten thousand dollars for the Hendrickson Foundation, mm-hmm. which uh, they provide financial assistance to players who kids who want to play hockey with but they have disabilities oh cool so they promote they or they support the minnesota special hockey program sled hockey blind hockey and then they also support um the national veterans hockey program which is called warriors hockey Mm. uh so they're a super cool organization and um they brought some people out and we had like a check presentation and um it was uh really cool the women's team (laughs) organized uh, in between periods they did like a choreographed dance oh uh-huh. and the funny part and they told me this ahead of time they're like a lot of our players like are very new to hockey so we're curious to see if anyone falls and she was like we did a practice run and only one person fell so we're really excited <laughs> um but it was just super goofy and fun and uh yeah it was a great atmosphere <clears throat> care 11 showed up cool um, and the one regret that I have, and I actually feel bad about this, I really wanted the McAllister kids to win because mm-hmm. it was their home team. I sort of wanted it to be competitive too. So I tweaked our roster to make sure it was competitive, but it ended up being too competitive. Oh. And so we actually won, which like, it couldn't have, like, that was the one thing where I was like, it it absolutely cannot happen that we win, right? Because we're at their home <laughs> rink in front of their home crowd. Did you tell your team this beforehand? Did I you- didn't <clears throat> because they were taking it so seriously. Like if I told them, hey, we got to let them win, they would have like mutinied, you know, because mm-hmm. they were so excited. So I was sort of putting it as my responsibility to be like, okay, I'm going to create a situation where we can try our hardest and still lose. Mm-hmm. Um but it ended up being a really close game. It was like 3-2. And I thought they were going to tie it. And it was super exciting. But I just felt really bad. Because like the kids on the team who were helping me organize it were so cool. So nice. And like one of them afterwards, was we had a, a debrief. And he was like, this was the coolest sporting moment of my life. Oh, cool. 
And I was like, that is cool. And also, I'm sorry for not being able to, like, I wanted him, you know, I wanted them to host that trophy and, like, yeah. It's like, what what good is the trophy? I don't need the trophy. I don't want it. I wanted the kids to have it. I tried making tweaks in the third period, but my team was like, what are you doing, Alex? No, you can't. We can, we're we're going to win. And I was like, guys, it's not the point. Um, so, yeah, that event went really well. Mm. Uh, and then I got COVID. And do you think you'll uh, try to do it again next year? Do you hope it gains ground? Is it, you want yeah. this to turn into an annual thing I do. with McAllister? It would be awesome if it was a annual thing with McAllister. And I'm going to reach out to the president and see. I'm just going to say, hey, here's what we did. Here's what your students helped us do. Mm-hmm. Here's the result. Would you have any interest in collaborating? Because right now, this first year, it was just myself and the kids. Of the hockey program they were mm-hmm. in the school was really not involved would love to try and get the school involved um so we'll see I well, mean, most most universities have a have a priority to do community engaged kind of work and so there's probably thinking. an office of community engagement somewhere in McAllister, out of probably under the president's yeah direction because it really was a great reflection i mean the students couldn't have been between the men's team and the women's team like they all took time out of their day you know, they hung up flyers. They printed their own flyers. They said they were, they hung they handed out like 150 flyers leading up to the event. Like they put in a ton of effort, mm-hmm. and uh, I was really impressed and grateful for their support. It was a really cool event. Um, sorry you couldn't have been there to cheer me on. Yeah, I was actually in Georgia at the time, so <clears throat> yeah. Um, and then after I, I should, I didn't get COVID immediately after that. I went to LA. I'm somewhere in between. Maybe it went Vancouver, LA, and then the Hands of Time Cup. But uh, I went out to LA just to sort of like network and um, you know further my ambitions as a writer director. You know, mm-hmm. try to meet with fancy Hollywood people. But I got to catch up with a few people, old friends and stuff. And I included this in the last episode of the mm-hmm. podcast. But I had lunch with a friend, and we talked about this podcast. Yeah. And they brought up something that I wanted to share with you, which is really interesting. They told me the story. They were like, they offered this up. They're like, I've been to therapy once. Yeah. I showed up. I sat down. The moment I sat down, I didn't even say anything. I just started crying, and I cried for an entire hour. This is your friend saying this? Yes. Uh-huh, about their therapy experience? Yeah, their <clears> first <throat> therapy ex- And I was like, whoa, that's really intense. And you know, we were laughing about it. Like, I, They were saying, like, I don't know where it came from. Mm-hmm. But, and I was like, did you ever go back? And they're like, no. And I was like, why is that? Mm. Like, it just was so intense. I couldn't imagine going back to, again. And I thought back, it immediately reminded me of what you said, the modal number. One, yeah, one session. <laughs> and I don't know, it was just, I like obviously felt for them because I was like, man, that's really intense. And I can't knock anyone for saying, I don't want to go to a place where I have to cry for an hour. Like, that doesn't sound fun <laughs> at all. But it made me think, like, what are ways, I don't know, I immediately started thinking of, like, what are ways I could help this person to get them to, like, go back? Because... Well, what was their experience? I mean, they, I get it. They cried the whole time. Were they embarrassed by that? Were they relieved by it? Did they Were they drained at the end of the time? I mean... They were drained, and they were, like, completely confused as to why that happened. They were like, what what just happened i don't understand it i'm exhausted great reason to go into therapy um right i mean but 
and do they attribute that does your your friend do they attribute it to uh, the therapist didn't do their job well or i was at this place and i've got to figure out why i responded in, in this way the latter the latter yeah. and <clears throat> the latter was like i can't i can't do this it's you know it's just so overwhelming the thought of my guess is they probably wouldn't do it again Not, meaning like if they went to therapy again they probably wouldn't have that same experience they, yeah they might even talk about the last time i went to therapy i did yeah. this thing and i totally was drained and i got to figure out why I had so much in me that I did that. Like, especially if this is a person who's not used to crying or doesn't get that way often. Like, wow, what was it about that moment? And there's a part of me that thinks hats off to the therapist for providing whatever space they needed to for this person just to have their experience. Mm -hmm. Totally. I can't imagine them not saying anything at all. Like, the, I'm sure the therapist said something like, I'm sure do there you was. need more or are you okay? Yep. Or And I'm sure there was even a conversation, but sure. the, po the point they were trying to get across was like, this it was it felt really like. intense. Yeah. And I think the only thing I could offer up was like, hey, clearly that was your body's way of saying like, this is great. We need this. We need more of this. Yeah. yeah. Like mm -hmm. we've had this whole, we've held on. It reminds yeah. me also of what you said, the body keeps the score. Yeah. Right? Like that was clearly, while overwhelming, a cathartic moment. Sure. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the conversation was really upbeat and like they have a great sense of humor and, you know, very playful. So we were kind of joking about it. But at the same time, it was like, damn, I feel for you. Um, and I I guess I, I, it made me think about this this podcast and my work and it's like it's been so long since i've had anything remotely intense in any of my sessions that i guess was it was i tell you i mean <clears throat> it tells me that i i know i've put in a ton of work done a lot of great work i mean mm -hmm. i've made a lot of improvement i'm in a good place then there's another another voice that's like and I don't want, maybe I go on a tangent here, but um, a few weeks later I had another session with, uh, or maybe it was a week later, my EMDR lady. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And in that session she said something to the effect of like, I think she was referencing her own therapy work when she was younger and studying and stuff like that. And she's like, I got really good at going to therapy, which I thought was an interesting way of phrasing. I was like, you know, and she elaborated, she's like, I got really good at talking about the things that didn't really matter when there were things that really did matter. And I was sort of like, you know, tiptoeing around. I got really good at dancing around them. Mm -hmm. And all that has got me thinking like, oh, maybe, you know, maybe I'm not talking about the real things. Yeah, right. <laughs> but also too, I, I, you know, I think that's just more of a maybe neurotic thought because I, Who's yeah. To, yeah, who's to say, but... Um, well, you are to say. Yeah. Like, you're you're the one who knows whether you're hitting the issues or not. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> whether you're doing that with George or EMDR person or in here. And we've, we've talked about the constraints yes. in here, right? We've talked about, is this the place where you do your deep, deep, or is this kind of a more of a, yeah. an example for people who are toying with the idea and they want to peek in to see what it might might be yes like. and i think what's what I, the, the long long way of what i'm trying to get at is that between 
the last couple of weeks, I've sort of been left really confused and I'll do my best to articulate it. But it's like when I first started this podcast, I was 100% gung-ho on this idea that like any bit of therapy, whether it's talking about the cloud you saw, whether it's talking about right. it's talking about the interaction you had with your coworker, mm-hmm. or whether it's deeping, d- diving into something really deep and painful and traumatic, all of that is really, really good. But now I find myself questioning, like, is there a is there a type of therapy where it's like sort of this quasi like denial or like this quasi sorry um, like deflection? You know, I keep thinking back to what that my EMDR lady said about this. Like, like I was going to therapy and I was getting really good at not talking about the important stuff. Yeah, <clears throat> and convincing myself that I was getting therapy. That yeah, I was doing what I needed to yeah. be doing. So. So I'm I'm doing the I'm doing the right stuff. I'm 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 going to therapy. I'm taking care of my mental health, quote unquote, and I'm avoiding the real big things I need to be taking care yeah. of. Yeah. And it's left me really confused cuz the voice that popped in my head was like, "Oh, there's such a thing as um uh, unconstructive." That's a word, right? Sure. We'll make it even if it's not. What's What's that word I'm trying to say? There's constructive. What's the antonym for constructive? Not helpful. There's right. such there's such a thing as like not helpful therapy. And when I had that thought, I was like, whoa, wait a minute. That's not true. I've never believed that. I'll believe it. Yeah. I think there's a lot of unhelpful therapy out there. <laughs> and what does that to you like mean or look like? Wow. I think it can take many faces, many, many looks. <clears throat> yeah, it's been kind of I, I mean in my in my practice where I work with a lot of couples who are really struggling with, should we stay or should we go? Um, they, they, they report to me often that they've, they've seen therapists who say things like you guys should have never been married to begin with. You guys should have been divorced a long time ago. And so Whoa. there are, there are people out there, there are mental health professionals out there whose ability to sit with ambiguity, to not, to, to, to feel like they need to, to weigh in and tell you how to live your life. Um, that, that is not an approach that I adhere to or that I, but I want to give people thoughts and options and uh, work through possible scenarios with them. But I don't, it's not my job to tell them what to do with their life, either to stay married or to get divorced or whatever. Um, But a lot of the people that I work with have been to therapists who say, this is what you need to do. Your partner is never going to change. This is what you got in your marriage. And and this is never going to, you know, Um, and there's a, um, a hubris, and uh, um, a lack of humility, I think. Uh, probably those those two terms go together, but in, in that approach. And I don't know exactly why people get to that place. I don't know why mental health professionals get to that place. But I also think, I mean, I, I think it, it's very possible that some therapy is not helpful. Mm-hmm. So that is super wild. If I were, were in a couple situation I, and we had a therapist say that, I'd be like, what like back up buddy yeah that's super trippy i hadn't considered that i think i was more so looking at it from the lens of like you know uh just is is there a critique of this approach of like coming into therapy and talking about the watching the grass grow and you know watching well, the, I, sky, the clouds i mean and, I, I think I, I may have said this in here before but you you, I think you're atypical in that you've done so much therapy. Mm-hmm. 
True. It, so much, even to the point where you're like, hey, I want to share this with the world, right? I mean, not everybody right, does right, that. Right, so right. so Alex is a different kind of person when it comes to this, this therapy. Yep. And I have always thought, and I've told my clients this, your job is to fire me. Your job is to work me, you know, my, my job is to work myself out of a job and your job is to fire me, like to come in someday and say, hey, we, we don't need to come okay. anymore. Um, but I think, I think there's also value and can be value in, in looking at this just like you might look at going to your chiropractor or going to yeah. your, uh, your nutritionist or your, whole, you know, your holistic uh, practitioner, your homeopath or whatever, that, that I, this is something I do every week and I, I make sure that I go and I have a place where I can just unburden and, and talk and, free, and, and, and share my thoughts and ideas in a safe place that allows me to, to work through things. I don't, I don't know. I mean, if you've got the resources to do something like that and you've got a relationship where you feel like yeah. people are going to, that, that, that person, that therapist is going to hear you out and give you space to do that, that that's great. More it's not necessarily the model that I tend to practice from, but it's, it, there's no reason that that's not a, also a beneficial model. I think I found myself like questioning it because I started thinking about this fact that at the end of the day, like the growth rests, the bird, you know, the responsibility rests upon the individual receiving therapy. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like something that's really easy to lose sight of, I suppose, because mm-hmm. you have to hold yourself accountable, right? Like I can come in and talk about whatever I want. So it's on me to be like, okay, what's the thing that I need to talk about? Yeah. And it's really, really easy to ignore that, especially if it's really, really hard. Like I think about my friend who's like, I clearly have something or some things that confronting him is going to bring some stuff up. Yeah, Really, mm-hmm. really easy to go to therapy and not talk about those things. And, and I don't know what you're not talking about. Yeah. I don't know what it is that you should be talking. Like sometimes there are cues. Like sometimes if if the, the 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 session is not gaining traction, like if I get a little bored, if I get tired or I get yeah. sleepy, sometimes I'm like, we're not talking. Do you about, ever get, do you get sleepy on this podcast? Uh, maybe I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> have you be, have you experienced me? That I'm going to look for that. Now. <laughs> um, but but sometimes I know that hey, if I'm getting tired, if I'm getting, mm-hmm. we're not talking about. There's something we're not talking about. And so I'll feed that back. I'll say, you know, hey, are we talking about what we need? You know, like this conversation seems to be a little flat or, yeah. I, and I don't want to offend somebody. Like what if they're pouring their heart out to me and I say, this, you got to amp it up to get to keep me interested, you know. Um, but sometimes if I know the person, if I've worked with them for a period of time, <clears throat> I can I can say things like, I'm not sure we're talking about the right thing right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think uh, it, it it was compelling or fascinating to me because there have been instances in my therapy where I've become frustrated and almost contemptuous towards George mm-hmm. because I've been like, hey, you're not getting it out of me. You know, mm-hmm. you're not taking me to where you're not pushing me to 11. Yeah. You know, I think of the gym where it's like the trainers, you know, getting you to dig deep and up your reps and your weight. And One stuff more. Like that. Yeah. Push, 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 push. Yep. Yep. And what going on this, you know, trip to LA and talking to people about, I had a couple of conversations. I met with, I think, three different friends and this came up. The podcast. Yeah, and therapy. therapy and, uh-huh. and the more I talked about it, the more I've been thinking about, like, it really does just kind of come down to the person. And it's, um, 
it can be really draining to bring yourself to a place and talk about things that you're not comfortable talking about. Yeah. And uh, it ultimately just comes down to the, no one's going to make it easier. I don't know. It's just, uh, it was really interesting. Well, and the thing I like about this podcast and the idea behind it, the, the, the kind of the vision that you and I share about mm-hmm. the podcast is it can demystify this process, yeah. right? That was one of the big goals was to demystify. And so if the conversation today is about your therapist doesn't have doesn't have truth serum, the, the, yeah. your therapist is not going to extract things from you or draw these connections. Those are things that you usually do on your own. And I see therapy as a place where you can practice being more yourself and hopefully you can take that to your significant relationships, your family, partners, yeah. or romantic partners that you have, close friends, uh, close work associates where you feel like I, I, our work, our relationship, our way of being with each other is going to be enhanced if you know more things about me. You can't, in a romantic relationship, you can't love me if you don't know me. Yeah, yes. Um, the the authentic self, the sharing your humanity, hundred percent agree. And I keep thinking back to the lunch I had with my friend, and I just felt myself being like, whatever it is that you're holding on to, maybe you know, maybe you don't know, but I so want you to experience sharing that with someone, and realizing that I can share this, whatever it is, <clears throat> and I'm still a great person and I'm still capable of being loved and um, it doesn't diminish you. Yeah. And it, it probably makes you more human. It probably yes enhances how people look at you. And if, if they, if they're close to you and if they understand human, human nature at all, like we, we live complicated, sometimes messy lives. We do stupid things. We hurt the people we love. We, you know, the reality is no nobody leaves this world world unscathed by stupid choices and yeah. hurt feelings and but skin it's so knees. easy to get caught up in this self narrative that like oh no this is unique to me i messed something up along the road clearly this is my fault mm-hmm. i handled you know i can't share this with anyone right and that's that's why group therapy that's why meetings like aa are so powerful sure because you go and you look around and you see wow all these, none of these people look like me. None of these people have lives like me, and yet they have the exact same experience, or yeah. they've had this experience around alcohol or drugs, whatever. Um, and then also too, I think it's worth pointing out, like context for everyone listening. It's like this is something that I have been thinking about a lot. I've been ruminating over this, mm-hmm. what we're discussing, and. And each person is listening is going to weigh this as like important or not important based on their own criteria. Right. However, this is an example of like, this is something that's been swimming in my brain and it's not becoming a compulsion, like I'm not obsessing over it, but it's like, this is the first time this art therapy session now that I've been able to talk about it. And talking about it, is it's therapeutic for me. And even in a very, very small, you know, whether it's a yep. scale from one to 10, whether it's a one, Maybe it's a 0.5 or a 1.5. Like, this is sort of hopefully an illustration of the process of like, this is something I've been thinking about for the last. Oh, I just made the noise that Haley hates. Um, sorry, Haley. 
I've been thinking about this for the last like four weeks, and it's good to uh, to chat about it. So that makes me think about a couple things. Like I think about the conversation you had this lunch conversation you had with this friend over lunch, right? Mm-hmm. In my mind, it was so. Yeah, I know. Maybe you lunch. said that. Um, that that was probably for both of you therapeutic to some degree. Yeah. It's you know like the the risk it takes for your friend to say, I went to therapy and all I did was ball the whole time, like. That's a risk because they didn't need to tell you that. They didn't need to disclose that to you. And it run, they run the risk of you thinking less of them, diminished, being diminished in, in your eyes. Um, but the other thing, so, so I think that that was a therapeutic moment. I think early on, you and I talked about kind of a philosophy that I have was not everybody has to be in therapy, but boy, it's great if people can have therapeutic moments. And those can come in a variety of places. And they usually happen when we disclose about ourselves and share with somebody else. Um, the second thing is, does this conversation make you wonder if you're ever, if you'll ever be done with therapy? Like, how will you know? Like, when when will Alex say, "I don't, I don't think I need to see George anymore"? And sorry, George, I'm not trying to mess with your yeah your patient or anything. So yeah, um, I think about that all the time. I think that ties into what I was saying earlier about this, like sometimes feeling frustrated or contemptuous towards George in terms of like, hey, you need to get me where I need mm. to go because this has to end and I feel like we're going on forever. Mm. However, I keep thinking, you know, you had brought this up, Woody Allen, but I've thought about that a million times. <laughs> That's how I sometimes wonder. I'm sort of afraid. Like, I don't want to be Woody Allen <laughs> for a variety of reasons, first of all. However, just for the specific purpose of this, like, idea of being neurotic. Another, Larry David is a, is a good example. Like, I don't want... I don't know how comfortable I feel about this type of person where it's like, oh, I'm just always thinking about stuff and I always got to talk and I'm always worried about everyday things. So I definitely have that anxiety. To answer your question, how will I know when I'm done? I've, you know, I don't know if this is something that naturally happens as you get older. Like, it would be ironic if there was some biological explanation, right? Like, my brain's producing less testosterone or something because I'm getting older, so I'm not as anxious. I don't know, you know, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. I feel like over the past few years, I'm starting to calm down. I don't know if that's due to, you know, finding the love of my life and, in Haley and getting ready to s- start a family with her mm. and, you know, building my own business. Like, it sort of feels like the pieces are falling into place. Granted, some of those pieces still cause me severe anxiety. Right. But, you know, for example, I hadn't seen you in however many weeks. I haven't seen George in two weeks. Um, this is the first, you know, typically if I went a week without seeing George, like I would physically feel it. I'd mm. notice it. Yeah. And I feel, okay. I feel, you know. Yeah. Pretty good. So I think it would just come down to like, do I need to talk to someone? You know, if, if George were to text me right now, I was like, hey, can we push another week? I'd be like, yeah, that's cool. No worries. Because there's nothing that pressing right now. I feel feel okay. So if this were to continue, I think it would be one of those things where I would just like gradually taper off. Yeah. Kind of like, to make an analogy, it's like, man, I had another conversation with a friend and he was asking me, when did your panic attack stop? How did you stop them? Mm. And I thought about it and I was like, they just sort of stopped. I don't know. It just kind of happened on its own. There wasn't a definitive mm-hmm. moment. Where, mm-hmm. Hey, congrats. You you graduated. You're done. Just sort of 
Yeah. Slowly tapered off. And that's what I think would happen for me personally. Or maybe it's something where it's like every, it becomes every two months I check in. Every six months I check in. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I don't have the benefit of knowing you long term, right? So I don't, I have the, I have the stories that you've told about yeah, you um, know where, I you was know, and... where you were and, and, and ideas of dissociation. And um, I, I know in my mind, I have a fantasy of all the quote unquote work you've done with, with George and other therapists and mm-hmm. things like that. But your trip to LA where you go and you talk about, you're going out with friends and you're talking about very intimate things. It, my experience of you on the podcast where I think, I think our our work kind of turned, I tell people when they ask about the podcast, I say, start after about session four or so, because I think we took a little while to get up and going. And session four, I think, was the one where you talked about the fantasy football. Yeah. And to me, that was, that was represented probably the biggest risk you had taken up until that time. I mean, it's a risky to do the podcast, but you were calling out friends. You know, you mm-hmm. were saying, I, this thing happens every year. It's uncomfortable. It's fun. We we love it, and then we all regret elements of it. And and then <clears throat> shortly after that, I think you talked about your early experience with with alcohol and and having law enforcement involved yeah. in, in your in your role in your life with alcohol and stuff like that. Yep. Those were like to me really big things. And I remember s- sitting across from you and and seeing you sweat. You had shortness of breath. You you know like especially talking about the uncomfortable uncomfortable. Um, like it may be that, that in the, in the last, you know, year or so you've been amping up how you think about this stuff and how you talk to people about it. And so you come, come back from LA and you have these conversations and for whatever reason, people are comfortable enough with you to come and say, I'll never go to therapy again because I had this shit show of an experience when I went and I just cried the whole time. And, and so there may be something about you that's changing. I bet I bet Haley plays a huge part in that. If you found somebody that you're comfortable with that you can be more yourself with, um, and, and open up emotionally, and she sees you and sees you with all your weirdness and your craziness, and mm-hmm. you, she lets you see her craziness and her weirdness. Yeah. I mean, I think there's something about that that's very healing. Totally, and also too, like to the point of people, you know, the people I'm meeting and talking about. I had another dinner with a friend who we had gone to high school together, so I've known them forever. And they were sharing some, you know, really personal struggles. Um, and those kinds of conversations, a part of me wonders, like, has doing this podcast sort of created that sort of safety net for some of my friends to be like, okay, you know, I can trust Alex because <laughs> Alex knows about trust. He's putting himself He's out putting there for right. lots of people to judge. Uh, so I can talk to him about this, which that would be awesome. I that would be really cool. That that would sort of speak to my goal for this podcast, honestly. Which is, um, I think humans, generally speaking, are much more open to hearing about other people's struggles than we we fear. But you you also you got to be smart. I think you know you can't just unload on anyone right i I think that one of the cool benefits of the podcast might be that you're getting people in your circles that are opening up to you oh yeah you know that 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 might be a a bonus totally um it would be really fascinating to know if there's anybody out there who hears the podcast and goes hey i think i can do this too that would be so cool those are things we probably will never hear of yeah 
but it's it's kind of cool that you have like you're yep. putting yourself out there in a way this is what i call the recipe for intimacy right you you risk and put yourself out there and other people in your circles are responding and saying i'm going to i can give more to alex because he's mm-hmm. demonstrated his willingness to also risk or to his um, yeah. vulnerability which is kind of a catchword which i don't always like but there's something about that and also too i th- i keep thinking about my friend i had lunch with and like perhaps that i hope them sharing that story with me was a step towards maybe thinking out loud hey i might be ready to try again yeah exactly um and to everyone listening like if there are also people who have had similar experiences maybe they'll hear that and go oh it's the same way i felt really embarrassed because i thought i was the only one yeah right but i'm starting to think that it's so ironic too because literally like two days ago i was on tiktok and I saw, I was going through like a mental health account uh-huh. and it was a, supposed to be like a humorous take on the process of going to therapy and it was like a, a, basically a snapshot of the per, the person's state for each session and it was mm-hmm. like the first session and they were just crying mm-hmm. and then the second session they were a little bit more put together and then the third session they were a little bit more relaxed. You know, the, the mm-hmm. point being you can start out as a mess but it'll get better. Yeah, it's a process, right. So maybe that whole... St- you know, maybe there's lots and lots of people who are like, yep. You know, I think back to my first session. I was, you know, I obviously wasn't crying a ton, but I was extremely, extremely on guard to the point where I remember it was a student. They were a grad student and they had a camera set up <laughs> because they, you know, want to record and <laughs> we've come full circle yeah, but you're part of the problem he asked <clears throat> if he could record our sessions for you know supervisory to, yep. purposes and yeah. i said no he said okay and i i think i brought this up but i made him take the camera down and put it away even though he turned it off yeah i was like you need to get that i know yeah. you know so it just was so anxious about people knowing things about me I think the I think the thing that that from this chair from the mental health professionals take for granted <clears throat> is how hard it is to go to that first session for many people and subsequent sessions. Yeah. And especially if especially if you're a member of a, a community that has been not served well by mental health or by the medical, you know, I think I think about um, yeah. African American uh, couples and families that I've worked with who in the, in their mind still battle the idea of the Tuskegee experiments uh, where, where black men were specifically not given treatment for syphilis. I read about that. That was and, absolutely insane. And, and that, that was happening in my lifetime. You know, yeah. that, I w- that happened till I was 10, 10 11 years old. Yep. And, yep. Um, and so when, when we talked to African-American couples about why, why, don't, why don't black couples go to couples therapy, they it's all skepticism. said, Tuskegee, we wow. don't trust. This is a white thing to do. And so... Yeah. So it takes somebody who's who doesn't have therapy or couples therapy or family therapy as a part of their culture. It it takes even more risk to show up and to and and to say I'm going to open myself up to you because I like who are you for me to trust you? Why I would much rather go to Pastor Bill or you know like yep, somebody that I know. somebody in my community. So and 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 just because therapy might be perceived as a quote unquote white thing, that doesn't mean it's any easier for white people to go no, and, and open up, no, open up. But, totally. but so there are Try, cultural I mean, things that are in play, you know, at the, at the, in these decision-making totally. processes. Yeah, I think the, th- the through line there is it takes a lot to trust. There are certain groups where it's 
there's way more reason to not trust yep. than others. Yeah. As historically speaking. Um, yeah. I, I worked with a, uh, a Somali couple here in the, in the twin, twin yeah. cities and he, the, the, the husband, a heterosexual couple, the husband talked about his experiences in refugee camps before coming, before his family finally arrived here. So this is a 30, 35 year old man. One of the big problems they were having in their relationship is his lying. Mm-hmm. And when I talked to him about his story, he's like, lying is a way of surviving in, in refugee camps. And you lie to get food and you go back in line and get more food and you hide the food, you know, and stealing and lying and and this was survival and now i'm in my marriage and these diehard things that have served me well are not serving me well because my my spouse has a different expectation of honesty and things like that so you know for for people to come and say things like that like i learned how to be a certain way and now i'm trying to learn a different way to to be and i you know i i value this relationship i have and yet i'm submarining and torpedoing it every now and yeah. then so well, in that specific instance, that's incredible self-awareness to be able to say, yeah. hey, this is why. Yeah. And uh, I had not considered, and it would be super, not fascinating, but I'd be curious to see, like, what are the different cultural sort of beliefs towards therapy, right? I just have little old white Alex experience, mm-hmm. which I'm sure is vastly different. Yeah. And I sometimes wonder if people like listen to me or look at me or like, gosh, you're such a, just a little weird, like goofy white dude, you know, like just living in your own bubble. And obviously I do live in a bubble. There's no, there's no way the bubble's there. I'd like to think I'm somewhat aware of it, but at the very least, hopefully I can be expressive enough so people can like see that I'm not being duplicitous, mm-hmm. but at least I'm being authentic and then they can take whatever judgments they need to make in account of okay the he's keep in mind he's a bubble bubble boy yeah but in spite of that maybe there's some stuff i can still glean from these experiences Um, but trust is is a huge thing and i think that's a good place for us to wrap up um so great to uh see you again yeah it's been it's been a minute been a while and some some interesting stuff some helpful stuff thank you for letting me share my humanity with you all right And uh, to everyone, to all the listeners, uh, stay happy. See you.